You're listening to a sermon preached at Cross and Crown in Melbourne. We believe that God speaks through the Bible and he calls us to preach the word in season and out of season. We pray that as you listen, you'll be strengthened to know, love and live for Jesus. Hi everyone. So today we wanted to share some reflections on what we've learned about marriage. We've only been married for two years, uh, so by no means are we experts on the topic, but hopefully some of our learnings can be of help to you, whether you're married, dating, or single. Just a little bit about us for starters. Um, Paul and I got married during peak COVID lockdown in August 2020. It definitely wasn't the wedding I had dreamed of, and the transition from seeing each other one or two times a week to spending 24-7 with each other was pretty overwhelming. But looking back on it now, we can appreciate having the opportunity to really focus on confronting and resolving the issues that we hadn't yet known when we were dating. Yep, so the six points of learning that we'd like to share with you all today can be divided into two sections. Um, So if you flip on to the next slide, oh, it isn't, okay. Uh, The first three are focused on our relationship as husband and wife under God, and the next three about relating to others as one married unit. So the first learning about marriage uh, that we had is that the grass is not greener on the other side. Uh, Marriage doesn't fix our sins, uh, it just reveals them. So I remember when I was a single guy, I would sometimes think, if only I had a girlfriend, or if only I was married, then dealing with lust would be a lot easier. Dealing with loneliness would be a lot easier. And dealing with laziness would be so much easier because I'd be motivated by my love for my partner. Because I'd love her, I wouldn't want anyone else. I'd gladly clean the toilet for her. I wouldn't feel alone because she'd love me and always be there. And in some ways, I'd think that it was some sort of magic cure for the sins and issues I was dealing with as a single male. All I needed was to find the right one, the right girl. But oh, what a fool I was. Thankfully, my married friends taught me it wasn't the case at all, and those things persist into marriage. In fact, that thinking of mine was pretty much idolatry, thinking that my future partner would be able to do what only Christ could do, that we would somehow complete me. Marriage in this world is indeed beautiful, created by God, but it's also broken because of our sin. It isn't the final destination. It isn't the one piece of treasure you have to obtain. It isn't the gospel. And now, from experience, I can confirm that those sins and issues definitely persist if you don't do business with God yourself. One of my biggest struggles is overcoming laziness. I love lazing around napping or playing games or being a weeb instead of looking after the house or spending time with God. And now that I'm married, I can confirm I still struggle with laziness and I still don't find joy in cleaning the toilet. This selfishness and sinfulness of prioritizing myself, though, can be really damaging. And what makes it worse now is not only am I disobeying God and hurting myself when I sin, I'm also hurting Raina. She sees everything and she cops the consequences of my sin along with me. So if you're still single or dating, I highly encourage you to start doing business with God now rather than trying to find a partner to help you solve them. It certainly didn't mean that I had to be the perfect guy before marrying, but 
what it meant was that rather than leaning on Rainer, I needed to lean on Christ and his word in prayer. Rainer's really good at supporting and encouraging me to live a holy life, uh, but she isn't the one I ultimately lean on. Only Christ can be my pillar. In marriage, it can get really uncomfortable as these sins are on full display to your partner. There's nowhere to hide. It's incredibly humbling as I'm forced to deal with my sin and selfishness whenever it arises. But even though it's uncomfortable, it's a really good thing that God uses to transform me into someone more like Christ. And as husband and wife, uh, Raina and I try to help each other point those things out and repent to God in prayer together. Um, On the other hand, after getting married, I found and continue to find some things that I really miss about being single. I've lived out of home from quite a young age, and so I was very used to running my day and making decisions without having to consider anyone else. And being married to Paul, who I'm now in a single unit with, he would be affected by what I do. These decisions can be small things like when to cook dinner or inviting people over, to more significant things like travelling to Malaysia and how we spend our money. The submission that comes along with marriage Sometimes it's easy, sometimes it's hard. Paul does really well in leading us with our decision-making and personal reflection. Oftentimes he'd initiate a conversation based on something he'd be thinking about, prompting us to think about how we can do better under God. He's very good at cutting through the noise to identify the root problem and is quick to ask for and listen to my opinions. But there are still some instances when I really feel the tension and this usually occurs when we can't agree on a decision. A very recent example was when my grandfather passed away in Malaysia. When I first heard about it, I immediately wanted to book flights to make it in time for his funeral. My work is generally quite flexible and I can just take leave when needed. But it was not the case for Paul's and I felt very frustrated that I had to wait for his work to confirm when he could take leave. I knew that Paul wanted to be there for me and my family and he was trying to move meetings and find a plan that was most optimal for us. At that moment though, I found it difficult to trust Paul's timing and that he had my best interests at heart. But I also knew that it was important for us to appear together as a single unit during this time. Now just to clarify, that time period was one business day, so like eight hours. Um, I'm just very used to dropping everything for family situations, which is something we'll speak about in our next point. The constant frustrations of longing for a perfect marriage as a single and being unsatisfied with marriage in our broken world as a married couple can be really tough. But in both cases, we'd really encourage you to turn to Christ instead, to be deep in his word and prayer and invest in the perfect marriage to come with Christ and his church. Our second learning is that leaving and cleaving is a lot harder than it seems. In terms of leaving, we found that even though physically leaving our families may have been easy, mentally, emotionally, expectations-wise, there were numerous areas where we needed to intentionally put each other first. This change in mindset came surprisingly early for me at a time when I least expected it. Our wedding was originally scheduled for June 2020, but COVID hit in Jan that year, and so we postponed it to um, December 2020. But as time went on, it became clear that my parents in Malaysia wouldn't be able to fly over for the wedding. After some thought, we realised that international travel may not be open for years 
and we needed to make a call. Do we wait until the pandemic is over? over, so that my parents can fly down for our wedding, or do we get married now and celebrate later? My parents really wanted to be there, and I really wanted to be there. Uh, I really wanted them to be there. <laughs> I also wanted to be there. <laughs> uh, that wasn't wise for us to be engaged for potentially a number of years. It was a tough call, and I felt very torn. On one hand, I felt like I was eloping and dishonoring my parents, but on the other hand, Paul made a good point that being in the state of, we're definitely gonna get married, but I just don't know when, for too long wasn't going to be healthy for us. Mentally and emotionally, it already felt like we were married, but in reality, we weren't. And that was challenging and dangerous for our holiness and purity, as we found our physical intimacy wanting to catch up to where we were at emotionally. After speaking to Adam and other married couples, I realized that by becoming married, Paul and I will become one family unit, separate from my original family, and if there weren't any other concerns about entering marriage, the decision of when to marry should be made between ourselves. For the sake of our holiness, I eventually called my parents and asked for their blessing to get married without them physically present. I could sense their sadness in the call as they gave us their blessing, and it was quite heartbreaking. There was a sense of loss in that I'm now moving to another family unit, and it made it harder that they weren't physically there to send me off. But looking back, I'm so thankful that we made the call and they were able to understand our decision as it would have been a three-year engagement period otherwise. We ended up having a Zoom wedding so that they could still witness it online, and my parents eventually flew down at the start of this year and we ended up having a Chinese tea ceremony, which meant a lot to us. So the cleaving part was also a challenge for us. We brought in a lot of different expectations into marriage uh, that were shaped by our families of origin. Uh, but to expand this section further to not just family, uh, we also brought in other expectations and values uh, that were formed from our personalities, views from, from our friends, and the lives that we had lived up till then. Examples being how we spend time together, how we would exercise together, how we fold our clothes, does it spark joy, whether we can lie on the bed in our dirty clothes, how often we clean the bed sheets, how clean is clean, whether we needed a sound bar, what we expect to be communicated to each other, how we interact with our families, how often we had sex, how we viewed sex, how we felt loved, and the most serious and important one of all, how often we'll shower. There were so many unexpected differences in expectations, especially the last one. Although we had talked about these things uh, whilst we were dating and in marriage prep, uh, actually living and experiencing it together was a different story. Getting married in lockdown meant we were spending every moment together, and when you put two sinful people together 24-7, you're bound to have some conflict. And most of our conflict involved these differences. The good thing, though, was that we had time to really work, out, uh, work some of these things out. So one example of how we've navigated conflict would be something like this. I'd have my feet up on the couch after work, and I'd see Raina walking in. One of God's blessings uh, for our marriage is that Raina's face is an open book. <laughs> and so when she's mad, 
I'd know straight away. Knowing that, I'd ask a feeler question like, hey, what's wrong, or are you okay? And her response would usually be, nothing, I'm fine. <laughs> but her tone would be the real indicator. Gauging the level of anger in it, I'd either try to give her some space to calm down first, or ask a couple more times until she's ready to talk through it. I usually start with asking her questions on what she's feeling and why she's feeling that way. And when she's venting all her emotions, I try to keep calm and objective, even though I might not agree with everything she's saying. I think it's important for at least one person to be measured during these conversations. After her delivery, I'll genuinely apologize for the things that I thought I didn't do well. Uh, but then after, I'll go through what I was feeling in response to her words and why I felt that way. She'll then apologize for some of her actions and we'll go back and forth between us to understand each other's perspectives and figure out the different values and expectations that were driving us to feel differently. Um, in this case, I had felt that Paul hadn't been helping out much around the house. But after chatting further, I realized that I had forgotten and, or missed the different ways he had been helping out weeks before and also wasn't aware that it had been a pretty busy week for him at work and so some things fell off the radar. My frustration came from the expectation that we'd share an equal load in managing the house, but we hadn't quite landed on what equal meant. After that, we'd brainstorm some actions that would prevent reoccurrence. And in this example, Paul encouraged me to just ask him to do something, rather than picking up the load myself and getting frustrated about it. And we revisited some routines around the home that would work better for us. I also realized that I shouldn't hold on to the quality of running the household too tightly, but rather show grace and empathy instead of assuming the worst. Finally, we pray to God to help us change our hearts and our selfishness. Conflict isn't fun, but it's an opportunity for us to serve each other, sacrifice for each other, and emulate Christ's love for each other. It also gets easier over time, knowing that we have each other's interests at heart. When we began dating, some of our conflicts would go for hours, and nowadays we tend to work things out in 20 minutes. So don't shy away from it, just keep practicing. Third point is uh, making time for God and each other. This one's really simple, but uh, really important. Uh, we found out for a period of time during lockdown that we had really let ourselves go. Not only were we getting fat and eating at odd hours of the night, we weren't spending much time in God's word or prayer. We were spending a lot of time with each other, but we weren't challenging each other to live godly, disciplined lives. Instead, we were encouraging laziness, materialism, and being self-serving. And that meant that not only was I not showing love to God, I wasn't loving Raina by leading her to holiness, and in turn, I wasn't loving others as I became more inward-looking. Praise God that at some point we identified that we were living quite selfishly uh, and we set some time for ourselves to read the Bible or Christian book together and discuss each week. We haven't been perfect with this, but we found it really helpful when we've done it. And another thing we've found helpful is holding some regular marriage check-ins with each other to intentionally talk about how marriage is going under Christ. As things opened up out of lockdown, we found ourselves really low on time. The first thing to go was a time we set aside for each other. We were largely living together, but with individual timetables and lives. We found that this made us frustrated at each other more easily because we were communicating less 
not understanding each other, and we weren't encouraging personal heart reflections. Ultimately, our disagreements ended up taking time and energy away from serving God, each other, and others. If left unchecked, we've heard that this can have drastic consequences to couples drifting apart and ending up in a bitter state. So in summary, it's important to make time for God and each other and get things right internally in order to better serve externally as one unit. Now on to the next set of three points on how we love, serve and relate to others as a married unit. The first one is being intentional in managing relationships. Paul and I's church experiences prior to Crossing Crown were quite different. Paul used to attend a small church that had strong Bible teaching and a close-knit community. I attended bigger churches and only knew what it was like to know a few people on a surface level. When we started dating, I met some of Paul's friends and caught a glimpse of God's church being being in a deep, loving relationship with each other, and that was something I wanted to be a part of. So when we first committed to Crossing Crown, we came in with an intention to get to know the people so that we could love them. After all, how can we love someone deeply if we don't know them deeply? At the time, Crossing Crown consisted of around 70 to 80 people, and we were able to cast our net pretty wide. We wanted to get to know most people on, um, of the church on some level before going with a, deeper with a few. We arranged a few large group gatherings, some smaller groups, and one-on-ones. It definitely took a lot of time and effort to feel settled and integrated, but we found that having a Christ and other person focus really helped with that. Rather than thinking about what we could get from the relationship or what we could get from the church, to think about what we could give. And not to just have fun socialising, but try to get to know them in Christ and encourage each other in our walks with him. That might mean praying together, reading the word together, being the first to be vulnerable, and sometimes that meant asking some questions that may seem a bit, uh, that may seem a bit forward or potentially prickly. This might seem uncomfortable at first, but usually we find that people can tell whether we are asking just to dig up some juice or whether we genuinely care about them. Uh, When we got married, uh, the church started growing during lockdowns. It was pretty hard to get to know newcomers online as they would usually be hiding with their cameras off or their Zoom wouldn't even have their real names on there sometimes. Like, who was S-Money and D-Train or Roomies for Zoomies? And... By the time we met up in person again, it felt like the church had doubled in size. All of a sudden, there were seven Joshuas and all these people that we didn't know. It got really hard to invest in everyone. During Weekend Away, it was made really clear in Adam's address that it was getting a lot harder for people to feel supported by deep, Christ-centered relationships. And one of the suggestions he gave was to go deep with a few. And the way that Raina and I tried to apply it was to start getting really intentional in choosing the few. And we wanted to do that in a Christ-like and loving manner. We wanted to avoid just investing in those people that we really liked and got along really well with. After all, if everyone went deep with the same few, we could end up with very exclusive groups at church. Instead, we wanted to spread our time across uh, some within our life stage, some younger Christians, some newcomers, some non-Christian friends, some that may not get as much love from others at church, and also time for God and ourselves. Uh, We thought the BLT was a great platform to start with, as usually you get a mini cross-section of the church in Joe's strategically placed groups. 
And all up, we probably have around 20 people each that we keep in touch with on a somewhat regular basis. Raina would naturally lean more towards girls and I to the boys, but we also thought it was really important for us to be seen together in those relationships as well. Not to just have exclusive girl-to-girl -girl relationships and boy-to-boy, -boy, but because we're married, joined together by God, we wanted to be able to reflect Christ's relationship with his church and display that in our interactions with others too. And just another point to add, we found that even after choosing our few, there were still many people that needed more love from the church. And one of the things we tried doing is to use our closer friends and deeper support groups to talk about those um, who could be looked after more and spread the load, um, especially newcomers. So not everyone is focusing on the same person. The second external learning is to practice empathy and vulnerability. The way in which we were intentional with others was also important, and we've learnt a few things along the way. Everyone's different with their own background, experiences, preferences, so there's no one-size-fits-all in how we relate to each other. But we found that knowing the person we were talking to and practicing empathy really helped with deepening relationships. You could say it's the same empathy we practice at home when working through conflict and our different expectations. Ideally, we'd like Cross and Crown to be a church where we truly love, support and encourage each other as a family, whether we're single or married where everyone can be integrated and deeply involved in each other's lives, regardless of relationship status. However, there are often some challenges that we've seen in our time and experiences in different churches. There can sometimes be a bit of a disconnect between those who are single and those married, driven by a mixture of factors, including loss of time and energy due to children, a sense of non-belonging from a single person when friends get married, a lack of understanding in the struggles each party faces, whether single or married. So in this section, we'd like to share some of the things we've learned to look out for between those that are married and those who are single. So my first relationship was with Raina, and that started when I was 25. <laughs> so I've shared some of the struggles of being single. Uh, from when I was around 22 to 24, most of my closest friends were in serious relationships with an intention to marry or married or married. But oddly enough, um, I didn't feel left out or too worried about being alone or lacked a feeling of love from the church. And upon reflection, these were some of the things they did really well. Even though my primary friendship was usually with a guy, I was um, also able to become friend, uh, good friends with a girl. They would usually be quite inviting of this and there wouldn't be that awkwardness where I'd only know my guy mate and had no interactions with a girl at all. Uh, in some ways, I wouldn't have been able to know my male friend deeply without seeing him in marriage together with his wife. Some of my friends had somewhat of an open-door policy, knowing that some single people struggle with loneliness more than others, uh, and especially when they knew I was going through tough times. They'd also be pretty open with um, how I could serve them, asking for help if they needed help with moving, getting me involved in some pretty daily and at times mundane activities like gardening, but all of that helped make me feel included as part of the family. When some had kids, uh, naturally our time together would take a dip, but I saw the effort that they'll put in to try to keep in touch. Uh, sometimes it meant just coming over and having chats uh, while they looked after their kid. They're also generally quite good at picking conversation topics, uh, especially in groups where there were a lot of couples and not many single people. 
uh, it wouldn't be centered around their lives together or solely on their kids, but inclusive conversation topics that wouldn't make me feel left out. One other point here that Raina and I have learned as a married couple serving singles is sometimes asking single people their preferences and what they're most comfortable with um, can really help. Uh, some prefer a lot of time with both of us and some prefer just one of us most of the time. Uh, some can get triggered from the slightest of PDA, like an arm around a shoulder, and some just really don't care. Uh, we try to keep those things in mind as best we can. But again, uh, we also recognize that it's important that we don't lean too heavily towards being always physically separate just to serve the single person. It's important that we display a uh, healthy level of intimacy uh, in order for us to show that we're married. On the flip side, we have been really encouraged by single people who have checked in on us together as a married couple or as well as individually. Sometimes it can be easy to think that because a person is married, they are in a sense looked after. We also require friendships of our own, ones which provide a different type of relationship to a spouse. We love and welcome single people and married, of course, wanting to be involved as part of our family, be it hanging out together, looking after Katsuo, a little fur baby, or other day-to-day -day stuff. We can confidently say on behalf of married couples that they, that they would feel the same way too. But if you don't know how you can best serve a married couple, just ask. We've also noticed that sometimes married couples and single people, including ourselves, can tend to keep their struggles to themselves because they either don't want to burden others or they think that they can handle it alone. Sometimes they think the other party just wouldn't understand. Maybe a lack of trust and sometimes they think it can be embarrassing or trivial, trivial to others. There can be numerous reasons, but this can really contribute to people feeling alone or isolated. We found that having the courage to be vulnerable and share these with a few people you can trust can really help with that, whether single or married. Often sharing with someone different to yourself can bring a new perspective on the situation. Between married couples, we have found it mutually encouraging to be open about specific struggles in marriage and following up on them. There have been several opportunities to share and empathise, especially if we were or have been in the same situation. Something we're thinking about more currently is how we relate to older couples at church. There's a wealth of wisdom and experience here whenever we do chat to them, and hopefully we can be of encouragement to them too. Last but not least, using our gifts. This has been a great joy to see how much ground we could cover by working together to serve others. Over the past few years, we have found ourselves playing different roles that utilize our strengths in certain situations. For example, when we are catching up with one or two people who we go deep with, Paul tends to ask more forward questions and goes straight to the point with his observations. This is usually effective for those who are more open. But for some, this could sometimes appear confronting and may rub the person the wrong way. I have found myself empathizing with the latter as I'm more geared that way myself. And so I try to make sure the delivery of some of the things that Paul says is more suited to them. Another example is how we lead Bible studies together. Paul is really good at asking thought-provoking questions and facilitating group discussion. Whilst my strengths are around providing hospitality, making people feel at home and making them comfortable to share in a group environment. Uh, we also don't need to be in the same place to work together. 
Uh, often if Raina or I are struggling with a particular situation or relating to a certain person, we'll bounce it off each other and try to offer our different perspectives. We're still discovering ways we can serve better as one unit, uh, but what we have learned is that um, it's not just our skills and talents that God has gifted us with, uh, but he's also gifted us with other gifts like material things such as money in our home, the time we have, uh, the particular friends and networks we have, uh, the background and experiences that we've grown up with. There are just so many different ways to serve and gifts to use, and there are definitely more than just the ones we've listed. So wrapping up, that's what we'd like to share today. It's definitely not an exhaustive list of things to look out for in marriage, but hopefully there are some things that could help you regardless of what season you're in. Uh, feel free to reach out to us uh, to have a chat if you have any questions or what we've, on what we've talked about. Thanks.